Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report Business Mexico Issue 109. Thank you for being there. Among other things, we're going to talk about the COVID-19 situation in Mexico. Justice today in Mexico, we're making some progress on the investigation of the disappearance of 43 students in 2014. On the 1st of July, the United States-Mexican-Canadian Trade Agreement, the new one negotiated by President Trump, went into effect. We have a lot of economic news. One of the biggest pieces of news is that uh, a large Spanish investor is bailing on a billion-dollar project in the state of Veracruz because the government of Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador is sitting on its hands and not doing what it's supposed to be doing. U.S. organizations are protesting certain things that AMLO is doing in Mexico to to hinder American investment. That's really important because most of the investment that goes into Mexico is American. The Maya train construction has been stopped by a federal judge And the United States government is starting to make noises about child and forced labor in Mexico. Remittances, yes, those those famous dollars that flow from workers, Mexican workers in the United States to Mexico, have gone up again. Remember, in April, they went down because of the lockdown in the United States. Well, the, the... Remittances have spiked up again, mostly because of Mother's Day, which is May 10th every year in Mexico. The mayor of Mexico City has announced several billions of dollars that the city government is going to spend on infrastructure and housing and commercial development. We'll discuss that. AMLO is coming to the United States. Yes, President Lopez Obrador is making his first trip outside of Mexico as president, and he will be coming to the White House at the invitation of President Trump. He and President Trump have a lot in common. They're both populists. They're both anti-establishment, at least they say they are. And then, uh, but on top of it, uh, uh, AMLO is uh, mimicking uh, the Trump experience in polls of approval and disapproval. We'll discuss that. AMLO is starting to talk like a potential dictator. He wants to take control of the election process in Mexico for the off-year elections in 2021. We'll discuss that. And then Mexico has been elected to the United Nations Security Council. It's now one of the 15 members for a year. And uh, AMLO is hoping to promulgate his hugs, not bullets uh, philosophy on the international scene. We'll see what happens. COVID-19. As of uh, the day that I got these figures, uh, the number of cases has topped 208,000 with 25,000 deaths. Mexico is number six in the world in the deaths caused by the pandemic. Mexico City itself, of course, is the hotspot. And it has, as as of that day, 3,800 active cases. 
But resort areas are starting to reopen. For example, in La Paz, Baja California del Sur, they opened up the beaches and everybody in the 100 degree plus temperature uh, that is normal for a desert, uh, people flock to the beaches. In fact, La Paz is considering uh, closing the beaches again. Resorts in Sinaloa. Sinaloa is the state immediately south of Sonora, which is immediately south of Arizona. Resorts are starting to open up with restrictions, number of people, percentage of people, capacity, masks, and what have you. In Sonora, Puerto Peñasco is starting to reopen. Now, this is called Arizona's beach. It's the closest saltwater beach area to Arizona, so the Arizonans go there. It's very easy to get to, and it's practically next door. Arizonans are flocking there now, but the beaches are still closed. But they're still going because they're tired of being locked up in, in Arizona. Face masks are required. Body temps are required. They have uh, 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 traffic uh, checkpoints going into Puerto Peñasco, and uh, people's temperatures are taken, and if they're registered at over 37.5 centigrade uh, degrees, they are told to go back home. So, um, uh, the, uh, the, and the beaches are still closed. So people are going down there just to sit around, I guess. I don't know. Mexico City's historic center, uh, which is around the, the Socalo for, say, uh, a mile or two uh, in, uh, you know, um, uh, radius of a, of a mile or two, with 27,000 businesses, while well, that uh, historic center of Mexico, which is, uh, like I say, around the Socalo and the National Palace and uh, the huge cathedral, if you've been to Mexico, well, you, I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. If you haven't been to Mexico, you must go there because it's amazingly large. It's huge. Anyway, uh, the that uh, historic business center has opened up, but... Um, not everyone is wearing masks, and so it's probably going to be a problem. The city has lost, officially lost, 200,000 formal jobs. Speaking of Mexico City, the police chief was wounded in an assassination attempt by, we suspect, cartel gunman Omar Garcia Harfouk was on his way to Mayor Claudia Scheinbaum's residence for re her regular daily briefing at 6.30 a.m. He was in an armored suburban, and he had uh, bodyguards in the car in front and a car in back. The vehicle was fired on by several riflemen in a six-by truck. Men wore, these men wore body armor. They had pistols and several Barrett 50 caliber sniper rifles and threw grenades at uh, the uh, the chief's caravan. A woman driving by was killed, as were two of the chief's bodyguard. He was wounded, but not too seriously. Everything was filmed by surveillance cameras. Everything. Uh, so there's, there's, there's no doubt that the that uh, those uh, that video or those videos will give the police and the federal security people lots of ways to clues and lots of ways to go. The chief claims it was the Jalisco New Generation Cartel based in Guadalajara that uh, did the attack. Twelve arrests have been made so far, and uh, we'll see where that investigation goes. But uh, pretty brazen.
for a daylight uh, assassination attempt like that. Justice. Yeah, let's go on the justice trail here. The Mexican Attorney General Alejandro Gertz Manero and his prosecutors have requested 46 separate arrest warrants in the case of the 43 students who disappeared in September of 2014 in Iguala, which is in the state of Guerrero. That's to the south of Mexico City. Iguala is the state capital of the state of Guerrero. And Guerrero is the state where there's two prominent, well-known uh, resorts, Acapulco, of course, world famous, and uh, Zihuatanejo Ixtapa. And uh, that's just north of, uh, of uh, Acapulco. He says, the attorney general says, quote, it's necessary to make clear that these crimes weren't even investigated, let alone prosecuted by the presidency of Enrique Peña Nieto. Arrest warrants were issued in March for Tomas Zeron, former head of the Federal Criminal Investigation Agency, that would be like our FBI. Zeron has left the country and is in hiding, but Interpol is looking for him and they will, they, the authorities, will catch him. He bungled the case of the 43 missing students. He was a PRI appointee, of course. Also arrested is Jose Angel Casarubias Salgado, probable leader of the Guerrero Unidos gang that the Attorney General's office thinks was involved in the crime of disappearing 43 students. The parents of missing students met with President Lopez Obrador in March, pleading with him to solve the disappearance. Apparently, AMLO's people are working on solving what turns out to be, what could turn out to be, the worst political stain on the presidency of Enrique Peña Nieto. The question is, will the PRI, the Partido Revolucionario Institucional, the PRI, ever win a national election again? I can tell you this, they don't deserve it. They didn't deserve to win ever again after Vicente Fox trounced them in 2000. A Nieto crony, a crony of Enrique Peña Nieto, his name is Emilio Lazoya, who is a close friend of Peña Nieto and who the president appointed to be the chief executive officer of Pemex, the national oil company, has been accused of taking a $10 million bribe from a Brazil construction company and accused of money laundering and corruption in the Pemex purchase of a fertilizer factory. Hmm. He has been hiding in an expensive Spanish villa in Spain's Costa del Sol, which is in southern Spain. He initially fought extradition, but his law firm, the law firm that was defended him, just simply quit defending him. So he's dropped his fight, and he's coming back to Mexico to stand trial. He's very close to Enrique Peña Nieto, who we haven't heard a peep from since he left the presidency on November 30th of 2018. The question is, will Lozoya... Emilio Lozoya, accused crook, testify against the former president. 
Who knows? Well, on July 1st, Donald Trump's triumphant replacement of NAFTA, which, by the way, in my opinion, was the best uh, free trade agreement the United States ever entered. It wasn't perfect, but heck, it was done way back in the 90s. In any event, USMCA, which is Trump's deal, went into effect on Wednesday, July 1st. It takes the place of NAFTA. Well, what is it? Well, it is NAFTA 2.0. They took some elements, they, the negotiators, took some elements from the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that Barack Obama negotiated, and they took some really good stuff out of there and put it into the new agreement. Yeah, trans that's the group, that's the, the partnership that Trump canceled when he went into the White House, but he took good stuff from it and put it into the USMCA. They made a few adjustments, and uh, it's not anywhere near uh, what Trump trumped it to be. In other words, what he trumped it to be, it's nowhere near that. Is the USMCA better than NAFTA? Well, we'll see. Carlos Salazar, who heads up Mexico's main business chamber, or Camara, uh, he says, quote, I don't believe that on July 2, there is going to be a queue of foreign investors waiting in line to invest in Mexico. Mexican business does not trust or support Lopez Obrador. He is anti-business. He has done nothing to help the business community, medium or large-sized businesses during the lockdown. He is trying to shut down private energy production, and he's trying to monopolize the electricity, the production of electricity by the government, going back to what it used to do, which it never did very well. U.S. trade negotiator Robert Lighthizer says of Mexico, that Mexico has challenges to its labor policies that USMCA deals with regarding, among other things, house labor unions and wages. So we'll see what happens there. Trump's position is that the U.S. can dictate hourly wages in Mexico. Mexico says, no, it can't. Lighthouser says, quote, after July 1, I expect to look at complaints and to start, and to the extent that we have problems, I expect to bring cases. I think Mexico understands that. I hope they understand that. I've made it clear as I can. The U.S. ambassador to Mexico, Ambassador Landau, says, quote, I can't lie. I can't say it's an opportune moment to invest in Mexico. So, <laughs> that's how they start off the, the new agreement, by bad-mouthing Mexico. Thank you, President Trump, for appointing such knowledgeable and responsible people to deal with Mexico. Okay, as we expected, in April, the economy, the GDP, plunged by 20%. That's the worst decline ever recorded since they started uh, doing the GDP calculations uh, years ago, decades ago. 19.67, to be exact, year to year from April to April. Record-keeping started in 1993. Previous record drop was in 2009 as a result of the 2008 recession in the United States, and that drop was 11%. By sector, 
The industrial sector fell, get this, 29.6%. Wow. The service sector fell by 16.6%. But there is some good news. The agricultural sector only fell by 2.4%. Speaking of agriculture, there's been a several-year-long drought in Mexico, in most of Mexico, and it's been killing the bean crop. Beans are a staple in Mexico, as you know, beans and corn. In 2019, production was down, or production was down over uh, 2019 production by 31%. Production is down 31% over last year. Coincidentally, prices increased by 30%. Mexican or American bean farmers are looking forward to huge profits from Mexico because Mexico this year will import 100,000 metric tons of beans from the United States. That joins 85% of all rice used in Mexico. All 85% is imported. Well, Mexico is a huge agricultural company or country, and they import 85% of rice. And you, you well know every time you order a Mexican combination plate, what's on the plate? Rice. So they serve tons of it. Well, they need this to import it because they can't grow enough of it in, in, the, in Mexico. The International Monetary Fund is predicting that the total drop for the year will be of the GMP will be 10.5%. That's the biggest hit in Latin America. In April, it predicted, the IMF predicted a 6.6 drop for the month. Total drop in Latin America and the Caribbean, 9.4%. Now here is what's interesting. France, Italy, and Spain will shrink for the year by more than 12%. Yet in, in Mexico, they're predicting a 10.5%, even less. Um, granted, it's a huge drop, but that's far less than France, Italy, and Spain. And because of the calendar, they're going to, in France, Italy, and Spain, they're going to miss out on a huge tourist year, American tourist year. But there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Mexico's central bank is forecasting 4.1% growth in 2021. So that will help. It won't be perfect. It won't be a perfect uh, bailout of the problem this year, but it certainly will go a long way to helping. A Spanish investor called Iberdrola is backing out of a $1.2 billion deal in uh, Veracruz. Now, Lopez Obrador, the president, says that the Spanish company, if the Spanish company wishes to continue investing in Mexico, it can do it if it wants to. But if it wishes to back out of the deal, well, the, com the country will get along without it. The company says that it can't make a deal with the government for a natural gas supply agreement. And because they can't get that agreement for the $1.2 billion project because the government is sitting on its hands, they're talking about backing out. President Lopez Obrador has been trying to limit private energy generation for the past several months, and the courts have stopped the plan of the basically the government taking over all electric, electrical generation. 
Iberdrola says it will continue the project if it can pin down a gas deal within two weeks. 2,000 jobs are involved. U.S. organizations are protesting anti-business President Lopez Obrador's push to freeze private business out of energy generation. American Petroleum Institute objects to, quote, recent actions that discriminate against U.S. investors in violation of commitments that Mexico agreed to in NAFTA and the USMCA. The American Fuel and Petrochemicals Manufacturers Organization says Mexico, quote, threatens not only the direct investment U.S. companies have met, have made, but also future revenue and U.S. jobs to make those investments viable. There are, quote, serious questions about whether such actions are permissible under Mexican law and Mexico's obligations under the new USMCA. So what we have is a full employment act for lawyers. As usual, lawyers always make sure of that, don't they? Speaking of lawyers, Lucia Anaya Ruiz, a federal Mexican judge in Tuxtla Gutierrez, Mexico, ordered that all construction stop on, in the state of Chiapas in the towns of Palenque, Ocosingo, and Salto del Agua, which is where the Maya train is being, tracks are being, construction is, is uh, undergoing. So the Maya train is stopped. Judge said that deployment of large numbers of construction workers to Palenque, where they would mostly be, besides laying track, there'll be a station there, so there'll be lots of workers there. Uh, the train will have a station there, so that's why all those workers are there. Anyway, all those new deployed construction workers could place local residents at risk of COVID-19. Judge says construction classified as essential activity by the Mexican government makes no difference to her. The judgment will be reviewed by a higher court. I bet that that higher court negates the, um, the order from this judge. U.S. Department of Labor, now that UCA, USMCA is in, is in uh, effect, has identified 12 Mexican products in which it says there is forced and or child labor. Green beans, coffee, cucumbers, eggplants, melons, onions, poppies, pornography, sugar cane, and tobacco. They're also looking at chili peppers and tomatoes. Tomatoes are already restricted uh, for uh, being imported because the Florida tomato growers made a case uh, to, the, to the Trump administration. So the Trump administration, in order to protect Florida tomatoes from real competition, uh, has uh, restricted the importation of tomatoes from Mexico, which is one of their biggest uh, exports to the United States. Now, here's the catch. The United States Constitution requires that you and I, if we're charged with a crime, that we be able to confront our accuser. Is that not right? Yes, it is right. It's in the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution. The U.S. government has to, or the or any government in the United States, has to allow us to challenge our accuser. 
But not in this case. The United States Department of Labor accepts anonymous complaints. Thank you very much. How, how are we going to see justice done there? Remittances. Oh, yes. The, the bugaboo of the, the anti-illegal aliens. They're, they're always out to try to, to seize, to steal the money that is legitimately earned by Mexican workers in the United States, legal or illegal. Uh, there's always somebody around that wants to tax that money or they want to steal that money because that's money that should be paid to Americans. Baloney to that. Anyway, remittances plunged in April because of the lockdown in the United States. But in May, the remittances jumped 18.10% compared to April. A total of $3.8 billion was involved with the average remittance of $319. Now that was $10 lower than April remittances, which averaged at $329, but there were 10,590 of them. Wait a minute. That's not very many remittances when you stop to think about it. I'll tell you why in a minute. Anyway, the, the explanation for May being better is that Mother's Day in Mexico falls every year on May 10th. And so May always spikes in remittances while sons and daughters are sending money home for their mothers. The Center for Latin American Monetary Studies, the, the acronym is SEMLA, C-E-M-L-A, says improvement in the U.S. employment situation has caused the, uh, is part of the reason why uh, there's more remittances uh, dollar-wise than in, uh, in March or April. Uh, estimates are, they estimate, SEMLA estimates, there are 5.7 Mexicans employed in the U.S. in May. In May 2019, SEMLA estimated there were 7.36 million. There is where the interesting numbers are. 5.7 million people. Now, we have about 150 million people working in the United States normally. And so 5.7 million, 5.7 million is about 3%. Imagine that. Imagine that. 3% of the active workforce is Mexican, legal and illegal. 3%. And yet people like Laura Ingram are running around pulling their hair out saying that our whole culture and Ann Coulter, that our whole culture is being changed by illegal aliens. How? The Trump administration estimates there's 11 million total and only half of those are Mexican, a little over half. So that's about 6 million. And then uh, many of them are working. How does our culture change with 3% of the population? Hmm? Year to date, $15.53 billion has been sent back from Mexican workers in the United States to Mexico. SEMLA estimates that 10 million people benefit from remittances. Now, that's not only poor people. There's a lot of people in there that are middle class that are getting money from the United States from their relatives or husbands or fathers or, or brothers in, uh, that are working in the United States. And that doesn't all go just to subsistence existence. That goes to room additions in a house or a new house or a business. 
that the family, extended family, uh, will operate. And, and that's good. That's good. That's better than foreign aid, isn't it? Mexico City's mayor, Claudia Scheinbaum, announces that the city will spend billions in new construction to create 900,000 jobs. $3.3 billion is involved. That's 76.3 billion pesos. 25.9 billion pesos will be spent on public infrastructure projects. 50.4 billion pesos will be used to build residential and commercial developments. Another 92.4 billion pesos will be spent on projects all over the city. That could be anywhere from new signal lights, uh, enlarging uh, subway stations. It, it could be any number of things. And that's good because if you're an old fan of John Maynard Keynes, you believe in government expenditures bringing an economy up. And... Um, I'm not supposed to be a Keynesian, but uh, I take the, uh, the advice of uh, uh, President Nixon, who announced when he was pouring money into the economy during the soft spot, that he was a Keynesian. So if it's good enough for Richard Nixon, it's good enough for me. Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, president of Mexico, will meet with President Trump on July 8th and 9th, AMLO's first trip abroad. Trump made the invitation, and they're going to celebrate the kickoff, or the actual USMCA start, which went into effect on the 1st of July. There are many critics. There are many critics of the trip. But AMLO says, I don't, quote, I don't have a bad conscience to travel to the U.S. I am not a sellout. You can make a good relationship with the U.S., a neighboring country, maintaining decorum, our dignity, our independence, and our sovereignty. So says President Lopez Obrador. He hasn't met Donald Trump yet. But <clears throat> some of the critics, the governor, the independent governor of the state of Nuevo Leon, which is where Monterey is, in uh, Saltillo, yeah, no. Uh, anyway, it's in the north. Uh, the independent governor, his name is Jaime El Bronco, you know, like Bronco. Rodriguez hopes AMLO's first trip outside Mexico as president will enlighten AMLO on how to handle the economic disaster caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. El Bronco admires how the U.S. under Trump has pumped billions into the population while criticizing Lopez Obrador for sending a few pesos to the poor but not helping business as the U.S. has. You know, it's sort of nice to know that there are Mexican politicians who actually like something the U.S. has done. AMLO will be uh, in the United States for just a couple of days. The former Mexican ambassador to the United States, Arturo Saruclan, S-A-R-U-K-H-A-N, Sarukan, calls the visit a big blunder and a mistake. He says that Trump will use AMLO as an electoral prop. That's probably true. The former Mexican foreign minister, my personal favorite, Jorge Castaneda, who teaches in American universities, calls the visit a dumb idea.
Omnil says he will guard the 2021 off-year elections. He will make sure they're honest. Omnil says he'll protect the 2021 off-year elections. But Mexico has a constitutionally organized National Electoral Institute. You know what it says about AMLO's shooting off his mouth? Baloney. It, the National Electoral Institute, Instituto Electoral Nacional, is mandated by the Constitution and by law to conduct and oversee elections. Quote, Mexico already has an elections guardian, an autonomous constitutional body that is the guarantor of our democracy, unquote, says the Institute's president, Lorenzo Cordova. AMLO criticizes the, I, the Institute as the, quote, most expensive electoral body in the world and has never guaranteed clean and free elections. That's where the Institute says baloney. And here's why AMLO says that. In 2006, when he ran for president as the candidate of the Partido Revolucionario Democrático, the PRD, he lost the election. He lost to Felipe Calderón of the PAN. AMLO didn't accept the conclusion, didn't accept the decision of the Mexican voters. He hit the countryside demanding, clear, stating that he was the real president of Mexico and he appointed people to fill jobs like a shadow government. And he ran around the country calling for demonstrations. In Mexico City, 100,000 people of his showed up. Now, he lost by 1%. But they showed up and they stopped economic activity in Mexico City. Cost the country billions of dollars in, in activity because AMLO wouldn't accept the decision of the Mexican voter. What happened in the south of Mexico, he won. In the north of Mexico, Calderon won. And the election was decided in central Mexico by a small margin. But in the north, in Baja California, uh, Chihuahua, Sonora, Sinaloa, um, Tamalupas, and uh, uh, other states of the north, they all went heavily for Felipe Calderon. That's what won the election. AMLO refused to accept it. And the same thing happened in 2012. He refused to accept it when he was defeated. Again, the guy was a, was a born clown, is a born clown, who finally, he formed his own political party to run and finally won. And now he's in office and demonstrations are occurring almost every weekend around the country against him. Now, AMLO, who apparently likes President Trump, is following President Trump's lead. In what? In disapproval. 30 days after AMLO became president in December of 2018, he reached peak approval of 83%. That's as good as it gets. It's been downhill ever since he's at a 17-month low with 56% disapproval and 42% disapproval. Anti-AMLO demonstrations are occurring all over the country by car caravans and hundreds of cars, hundreds of demonstrators, thousands of demonstrators. They're protesting AMLO because this pandemic, he's not operating well during this pandemic. 
Not at all. He and President Trump are like twin brothers on this. And it's going to come back to hunt Trump on election day. Can't hunt AMLO because he, can, he can't run for re-election. The poll was done by El Financiero, which is the Wall Street Journal of Mexico. It had 820 respondents. And uh, uh, that's where he, he wound up with 56% approval, 42% disapproval. But another poll taken by another publication called El Economista, it polled 45,186 smartphone users, 52.1% disapproval three months after his term. His uh, disapproval in the same poll was 28.4%. AMLO's approval rate is going down drastically. My estimate is that by the, by mid-year next year, when we're having elections around Mexico, that his disapproval rate is probably going to be 60%. And his people that are on the ballot for the Chamber of Deputies and governorships and the Senate will be slaughtered at the polls. The good news for Mexico and its reputation is that it has been named, it was elected to the UN Security Council as one of the 15 members. Of course, there's the permanent members like the US, Russia, China, and France, and England, but uh, there are other members uh, that are rotated out every year. AMLO's hugs, not bullets philosophy is going to the UN, where I'm sure it'll have as much. Uh, um, success as it has in fighting the drug cartels in Mexico. AMLO says Mexico will promote peaceful resolution of international problems and prohibition of force. I have a suggestion. President Lopez Obrador, Mexico has started exporting cars to the Republic of Azerbaijan, which is south of Russia, north of Iran, east of Turkey and Armenia, and west of the Caspian Sea. Mexican cars exported to Azerbaijan started off with less than 100 and have now grown exponentially and are continuing to grow. And I suggest you do this, President Lopez Obrador. I suggest that you instruct your ambassador to the United Nations to raise holy hell about the Republic of Armenia, a Russian puppet state, occupying 20% of the country you're exporting cars to, Azerbaijan. I suggest that you go in there and sponsor another resolution. This would be number five, demanding that Armenia abandon the occupied territory it has occupied since 1992 of Azerbaijan. 20%. The United Nations has determined that 20% of the Republic of Azerbaijan is occupied by Armenian troops. Get them out of there. Raise holy hell. And you'll help the export of Mexican cars. I mean, this is a good political situation. This is where economics and politics come together. International relations and politics. Do yourself a favor. Do the Mexican worker a favor and blast Armenia. and Get them out of there so you can export more cars to Azerbaijan and put more Mexican workers to work and make more cars in Mexico. It's simple, simple, simple.
It's, it's, it would be good. It would make your hugs, not bullets philosophy really work in the real world. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the program today. And we'll be back in a few days with uh, issue 110. Thank you for being there. This is Raul Lowry Contreras. This is the Contreras Report. Business Mexico.